to Is There Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rubinowitz, an interior design train, lifestyle, and wellness expert, mom to three girls, and editor of Mishpacha's Family Room magazine. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. Stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. Welcome, my beautiful friend, Liz, to my side of this um, hemisphere, um, my live show called Guys, Is There Kale in My Teeth? I actually did have kale tonight, so that would be ironic, and I guess on brand, but the purpose of this show is to have fun and to kind of inspire each other with ideas and conversations that we're not having all the time. For any of your followers who are here, my name is Rifki Rabinowitz. I am a wellness blogger and um, an interior designer based on- I love your decor. I was just admiring it. Oh, thanks, honey. It makes sense that you're in design. Well, look at you. You, you could have had a past life in design too. I don't know. I, I, was just, I was just talking about this today that I think when you're a creative, you could really do anything that falls under that umbrella. Yeah, no, for sure. It's true. We you just know, need some sort of outlet. Just give me an outlet. and Give me an outlet. If I had to, you know, not that my job keeps us afloat, but if it did and I was told, you know, you got to be the breadwinner with a desk job, I'd be like, yeah, babe, like we're going to have ramen again tonight. Because <laughs> So part of why I love you and so many of us love you is because you are so multifaceted. You're brilliant and you're fun. Uh, yeah, girl, come on. Like, I'm saying it. You know what I mean? And very often when I write down an outline of questions for somebody that I'm interviewing, um, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, one dimension, which is amazing because we could go deep. But when I was writing the questions for you, we could talk about your work. We could talk about the fashion and the motherhood and the activism. And because of that, I'm very excited to dive deep. And with your permission, let's jump in. <laughs> Okay, amazing. So let's talk a little bit about what the day in the life of your work is like, because I think as consumers, a lot of people will see a post and while they kind of recognize that a lot of work will go into it, they don't fully understand. So I'd love to hear a little BTS of your work day. Okay, so every day is totally different, as I'm sure you guys can imagine, um, because our job at, in the influencer world is just really undefined. And I feel like we're all kind of just figuring it out as we go. And, um, you know, I, I get paid to do any number of things. Um, and I spend time doing a lot of different things that are completely unrelated to each other. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to describe a typical day. Uh, you know, especially since we've been in the COVID world, I feel like everything just looks completely different than it used yeah. to. Mm -hmm. um, but like, for example, today, I had a, a partnership with this adorable, you guys may have seen it with this adorable truck called the camp truck. And it's basically like this truck that brings camp to your house, oh, because a lot of the camps are closed. And um, or right now we're about to start school. So we're in Texas, we're in between camp and school. So oh, parents wow. just don't know what to do with their kids. So we had this fun day with the kids. And so I 
like, you know, I'm shooting content with them, but we're actually living our life and having fun. And mm. I really, I try for the most part to only do brand partnerships where it's like that, where it's natural. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would endorse it even if I wasn't getting paid. Have you so. ever had a campaign that has kind of like either gone sideways or you regretted signing on or looking back, you're kind of like, ah, oh, bro, like I should have thought twice about that. Yeah, I absolutely have. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned um, over the years is to really trust my gut. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I used to get talked into things really uh, easily. I think my personality is I'm easygoing and I'm a people pleaser. And if somebody gets excited about a project, then, you know, I have a hard time saying no. Mm -hmm. um, but I've learned that when you're putting your name on it and you're putting your you know, I am my brand. So if I'm going to tie myself to something, then it needs to be in line with what mm -hmm. I believe in. And that doesn't mean it's bad, but it just may be not for me. And I've gotten myself in situations and I always have followed through because I think once you commit that the right thing to do is to follow through. But, you know, thinking about it now, just getting older, I think instead of impulsively saying yes, really like taking that moment to separate my Elizabeth Savetsky, the person from Elizabeth Savetsky, the brand and be like, wait a minute, is this in congruence with where I want to go? 100%. And it's, it's hard to do, you know, it's not natural to do that, but I've, I've really yeah. had to work at it. It's such hard work. I mean, yeah. I've had interviews where um, the person on your end will say things to me like, you know, Rifki, even when you're building yourself up, it's important to recognize that the opportunities you accept um, you have to think long term. And so even if you want all the jobs right now, because you know, you need to make the money today, um, you have to think long term. And while I think that that's an amazing point, you know, in full honesty, what I want to ask you is, do you feel like your ability to trust your gut and turn your compass on and say no to more is part and parcel with the fact that you have reached success and there is like a modicum of balance and stability in knowing um, you know, what your income will be give or take every month? Yeah, I think definitely you can be more selective as you grow. But I still think even from the very beginning, if you're not strategic about who you partner with, then you can kind of tarnish your brand before it's even really built. Mm -hmm. So, um, and especially in today's age where I feel like it's just become so much more oversaturated than ever before. I think, you know, it's, you really have to carve out what you want your brand to look like. And then I think you have to stick to things that are going to be in line with that. And that's not to say, you know, I, I've had partnerships that would shock people. I just partnered with Walmart and um, I was nervous about it because I was like, you know, I, I'm a fashion girl and, but the truth is I'm shopping maternity right now and I don't want to spend overspend on items, especially where am I going? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm home most days or running around town and I just want to be comfortable. I want to be cute too. And so it did feel on brand to me in like a shocking way. Cool. Um, you know, so I think, I don't know. I feel like every situation is kind of isolated and you have to analyze it and mm. take it for what it is in the mm. moment. I, um, side note, whenever I was pregnant, um, because for anyone who's listening, I'm a mom of three girls and, um, I would live in those every season. Aritzia puts out like a silk, uh, slip dress. I they love make, their brand by the way. Gorgeous. Oh, good. And they're just like loose, but kind of fitted at the top. 
Um, so just good tip. If anybody's expecting or knows someone who is, check it out. Um, what are you bringing to Instagram that is different than what someone else is bringing in fashion and in mommy blogging? Right. So, you know, when I first got involved in the blogging world, Instagram wasn't really um, right. at the forefront of things. It, this was back in 2013. So Instagram was just very new on the scene and people were just kind of using it as like an adjunct to promote their blog posts, mm. um, you know, where we actually wrote articles <laughs> so back yeah. then when we did that. Um, so you know, and, and back then I decided to sort of go with um, accessories just because I saw that there were a lot of fashion bloggers out there and I, mm. I didn't see anyone that was just focused on accessories and covering that. And so I knew right away that it was important to have a niche and, uh, you know, I, I still feel that way. I think it's so important to, um, you can take inspiration from other people and we all do that, but I think you really have to figure out what's different about you mm -hmm. and what's different about me has evolved over the years. You know, like I was accessories expert. I still love accessories, but I think what makes me different now is, um, you know, that I'm doing all this activism and that. I talk about, I'm very open about pregnancy loss. And I think just not being afraid to have these difficult conversations and to stand for something. Um, it didn't happen overnight. And it wasn't necessarily something that I set out to do. But I think it's something that is really important in this space, uh, especially nowadays. I feel like there's so much uh, superficial and, and that's okay too. You know, I, I don't have any problem with fashion and outfit posts and all of that. But I think, you know, we're missing an opportunity if you're only focusing on that. Mm. And so I really tried to sort of, um, you know, and the, the other thing is I realized that my audience has really kind of grown with me, you know, they like yeah. the accessories articles, but they're at a point now where they want to hear the real stuff, you know, we're living in a difficult time with lots of real issues and they are ready to talk about them and have those conversations. And so, you know, I feel like I've kind of been able to parlay from the fashion world into more meaningful things. Delicious. I love it. I love you. Um, first of all, guys, whoever's watching, just like drop a heart to show appreciation for the bravery that you show. You. Come on. Like, you know, on the on the flip side as as consumers because we're all creators and we're all consumers you know i'll watch your story and i'll say amazing let me repost that but i know the bravery and the work especially being one of the trailblazers um in activism and not being afraid who who you might be you know angering because the truth is so important to you to get across is very inspiring and I, I'm not flattering you. You know, we could talk about our appreciation when you're not around, but we need that to keep us going. And it's not that we're fueled by the uh, validation, but we're fueled by the community when love surrounds us. You know, that's right? such an amazing way to put it. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Um, it's interesting that you talk about like um, evolving and, and, you know, the organic pivot because um, part of why I started these live sessions is because as much as I'm like in wellness and a recipe developer, I, I believe that my strength is in the writing and the human connection. And so um, organically, what kind of evolved is that the writing, I've come to learn about myself that writing, which was always my love, is my true love. And, you know, whether or not my followers are coming here for a recipe, like, 
if you're in it to win it, you're going to read the caption. And I think that that's a great point of what you're saying is that, the, you know, your audience grows with you and you can kind of feel if the engagement is there or not. So big ups to you for taking that step. Thank you. No, and I love I love the way you put that because I think a lot of times, um, you know, I, we don't hear the positive feedback as oh. much as we hear the negative. And you start – and because what we do is so weird, you know, it's it feels very one-sided. Like yeah. half the day I'm having a conversation with myself. So it's nice to feel like there is somebody on the other side of that screen and the message is resonating. A hundred percent. I, You know, I, I said to my husband today – I shouldn't be giving anybody advice. I'm, I'm figuring it out. I don't know at all what I'm doing. And none I, of us do. I exactly. And I think that that's the power of 2020. Take it or leave it. Um, we're getting advice from the people who are our people from who are our friends. And we rely on the experts for the statistics, but we turn to each other for the passion and, you know, to kind of keep that circle going by um, reminding each other what makes us tick is hugely empowering and it's really what allows this constant flow of content to to not feel as exhausting as it can be at times 100 percent. what are yeah. some tips you have for a newbie for a rookie trying to start out it's such an oversaturated industry and yet more and more people want to get into it i would say my number one tip is don't get into it for the money um, when I, when I started this, it was just a side hobby and I was working full time for over three years while I was doing this. And I never thought that this would be a career, never even really understood for a long time how you make real money doing this. Um, and I need to work. So, you know, that's just the reality. Um, and the, but the thing is, if you're getting into this for the money, it takes a long time to get to the point where you're successful enough to actually make the money mm -hmm. and people will see through it. I think, you know, the re the reason people are successful in this industry is because they're authentic and they're real and a pretty face will only get you so far. I think you need to have your heart completely invested in it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the only way that you're going to grow an audience. So um, that would be number one. Number two, I would say, um, Figure out what you want to say to the world. What's your message? Mm -hmm. And make sure that every post that you do is in some way in line with that and at the very least not going against that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think finding a niche, you know, like I said before, I think that that's really important, especially just because there are so many influencers out there. But I will say that <clears throat> this is a good time and uh, to do anything uh, that people are watching because people yeah. are looking right now what are people doing they're on their phone they're on social media they're looking at bloggers so yeah. if you're going to get in on it get in on it now i think that the world at large has evolved in recognizing um, it as a very very legitimate industry and but at the same time i find that very often it's people you're surrounded by that may not appreciate the work that goes into it how do you find you juggle um I don't want to say haters. I don't like that word. Um, but how do you stay, I guess, positive when the going gets tough? Going gets tough. That's actually really hard for me. And I think I, I'm not alone in that. I think most of us feel that way, that that is the biggest challenge of this job. Um, because you're putting your life out there and you're definitely, it's um, it comes with the territory. So I feel bad. I can't complain about, uh, you know, 
allowing all these unsolicited opinions to flood my inbox. Um, I did turn off my messages on my stories. So like you have to go out of your way to message me now. You have to go to my profile. You can't just reply to my story um, unless I follow you. But I have to say it's helped a lot just because um, I think it's not even just that I'm blocking out the negativity, but making people take that extra step to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me really, for the most part, brings in real uh, meaningful messages and positive, more positive messages. Um, and then, you know, when I do get those haters, which happens daily, um, just reminding myself that I'm not doing this for um, vanity or popularity. You know, I have a greater message and I'm here trying to, to make the world a better place. Um, you know, it's a weird thing to say when you're talking about Instagram, but it's been an amazing vehicle to do that. And um, just remembering why I'm doing, why I'm waking up every yeah. day and doing this. Um, I actually don't think that's a weird thing to say whatsoever. Um, I, I'm so big into like flipping the script in the language that we tell ourselves. And of course we can focus on the toxicity and the time wasting that social media can be. But the way I like to look at it is how awesome, like I had an interior design job that I was, you know, feeling depleted from and I was able to pivot and I have amazing opportunities that have come my way through social media, including a job at a magazine that I've been reading for years that I never would have gone had they not found me through Instagram. And so I just think it's an amazing time. And, you know, if my kids ask me why, why I do it, I say, because, because we can. I couldn't agree more. Well, I, I feel like you have created an amazing, um, infrastructure in your household, you know, creating healthy boundaries with your daughters and kind of keeping the lines of communication open so they kind of know what your job is and recognize that it's your job. And I think that you did a really good job with that. Thanks. Yeah, I think it, I think it's hard to navigate, you know, um, we don't have a manual as influencers, we don't have a manual as parents. So just, you know, if there's a lot of trial and error, and I, you know, I can definitely say that I've messed up here and there. And um, but you live and you learn. And I, I think one of the greatest lessons that I've learned is just, you know, to be as open and honest with my kids as, as possible. And I don't have, you know, I hide very little from them. They know about everything about my journey, my pregnancy loss, everything. We talk about it all. And, and I think it's, it's been very healthy. And I'm not saying that would work for everyone, but it definitely works in our home. What are some tips you have to negotiating to get more money on deals or whether that's in the workplace or something like that? I've switched over to one. <laughs> yes, girl. Okay, cheers. I, you know, for a while, this was a really hard thing for me because I, I think we all tend to undervalue ourselves. At least I know I do. And, um, and undervalue our work. And especially if it's a, a brand we love or, if, you know, we're mixing friendship with business and, you know, to just to blur those lines, it's always complicated. And about a year ago, I signed with um, an agency, which has really helped me so much because they deal with all the business side and all of the negotiations, such a big relief. And I, I think one of, one of the good things about um, that, I, one of the best lessons that I've learned is know what to delegate. And for yeah. me, negotiating and business is something that I needed to delegate out. Yeah. And you know, I just, I want to be the positive person who's making the content, who has a really happy, good relationship with the brand. And I don't want to be talking numbers 
Um, yeah. You know, I'll be involved in the conversation if I have to be, but I would just rather avoid that. It's a huge privilege to be able to get to that point. I remember like just like hearkening back to my interior design days. Um, because I am the creative and when it came to the computer side of things, which is like 80% of interior design, which many people may not realize, the joy was sucked out of it for me and I began feeling extremely despondent. You know, I was speaking to my designer t uh, last week and she was saying that she had she has now been able to stay the creative and, and outsource things like the renderings and the schedules and all of that which it's it's a real privilege in in many areas of our life whether that's in your motherhood or in running your household or right your work. right you know what i, I mean what i will say um that a tip i have for if you're not if you don't have the ability to have somebody handle that for you uh, I feel like I have to weigh my words, <laughs> but weigh I think, that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think if you um, make a fake email and then and and have like this alter ego that is your business manager that is responding on your behalf, if you don't feel comfortable, like you can do that. Say, you know, I'm gonna pass this one over to make up a name and whatever. I mean, or something, or if, even if you don't do that, even if you respond as yourself, but you have to like get into character, you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times you have to think outside of yourself and be mm -hmm. like, okay, how would I represent Elizabeth or mm -hmm. how would I represent Rifki? If, and what is she worth? You know, you kind of have to take a step outside and, and think about that and think of yourself I as a commodity. That's, that's such a meditating technique. <laughs> You are my guru. Teach oh, me God. yoga. Teach me yoga. Um, let me ask you something. How much do you feel like the success of your brand is tethered to the, you know, intimate parts of your life that you share with your followers? Oh, I think it's enormous. Mm. Um, I would say that the reason that I think I became successful to the degree I did, um, which is, you know, could be a lot better, but whatever, um, is that I w have always been very transparent and authentic, you know, and it, it actually wasn't necessarily the easiest thing for my family. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's bit we've had growing pains and we've had to draw boundaries, but my basic nature is definitely to be open and, and to share. And I think um, people really respond to that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this, w the beauty of social media, it's like, I feel like I know you, mm. even though we've never even met. We've had a snuggle or two. Yeah, I feel invested in you and your life and, you know, what's going on with you because I, because you share and because I feel like I know you. And I think that's how it is with followers. And that is why people are going to tune back in to see you and what you're, what you're up to every day. So do you think that we kind of unwittingly play into the human need for voyeurism and kind of gossip? Or do you think that we can elevate it to create life experiences and share those of ours that can teach lessons? It's a tough question because I think that a lot of, um, you know, we can get, we put out whatever we want to put out and then people are going to take that and do whatever they want with it. <laughs> So anything can be taken down or elevated depending on whose ears it lands on or whose hands it ends up in. 
And I think, you know, we do have to be careful about that. Um, but I also, I don't want to be too cautious to the point where I just stop, um, where I stop sharing, you know, and I do think there's always going to be gossip and there's always, that just comes with it. But hopefully that the good outweighs the bad. And we, you know, especially if we focus on, on elevating the, the message as well, you know? So, you know, of course, there's a lot of eternal work required on um, required in kind of taking the good, leaving the bad and continuing to put forth good. How has this shaped your general outlook on life? You know, it's funny. I think I've changed a lot in the seven years that I've had this platform. I think um, probably most of us had I would have evolved anyway, but it's definitely had a huge impact. There's no like sociological, like anthropological studies done on the effects of being an influencer because it's too new, right? So um, I'm sure that there are on Hollywood and whatever, but this is different because we're choosing to put ourselves out there and we're in control of what we give. And um, I do definitely feel more drained and I've, I've become a lot more selective with who I spend my time with in my real life um, because I feel like I give to the world so much. Um, with this, I'm sure you do too. You know, anyone who's who's talking to their phone all day and sharing their life all day, it's it's it, it is um, emotionally draining. Some days more than others, and um, so you know, with with the time that I'm not on my phone, I really cherish that, and I mm. am very protective of it, and um, which is good, you know, because I think it's given me um, per, that perspective where I'm not wasting my time on neg negativity or toxic people. Delicious. I love that. Um, how has this focus impacted the relationships around you? Do you feel like your friends, um, you know, kind of respect your line of work or can relate to it, want to hear about it? And, you know, let's talk a little bit about female friendships. You know, in the beginning, I was always very, like, apologetic and embarrassed about it. Like, I would be asking my friends, like, can you take my picture? I have yeah. to post today, you know, and... Um, I don't do that anymore. You know, now it's like, this is just who I am and what I do. People have jobs. Everyone does yeah. something and this is just mine. Um, it was a weird situation. I'll tell you moving from New York to Dallas because yeah. I had, um, I had never like, I had always had a very easy time making friends. I'm definitely a people person. I love people. Um, I love, I really value relationships. Uh, especially with girlfriends. I think, you know, it's one of the most important things in life. Cheers to that. Um, <laughs> and so, but I had never moved somewhere where with like as an influencer. So like, it was just a little bit unnatural to come to a community where people kind of, where people like already knew who I was oh, and maybe it. had like a preconceived like, notion of how you yeah. should be. Exactly. Or, you know, for better or worse, and mostly for worse. I think um, there, there's like the persona and then there's the real person. And I, we try really hard to to be as authentic as possible, but it's still, you know, it's it's different in real life, IRL. Um, so that must have yeah. been very lonely in a way. It was. It was really the first time in my life where I just, I felt confused about friendships and people. Mm. It was, I it was just... And I'm, you know, I was 33 years old and trying to figure that out. And, you know, it just, it felt 
really uncomfortable, but it was a growing experience. And I have amazing friends here now and, mm. um, you know, and they totally are supportive of it. And, you know, they're people, it's ironic. I mean, they're people that followed me for years. Mm. Like one of my closest friends here, she's like, I followed you since you Stella was a baby and you had the Masoni wow. bugaboo. And, you know, it's <laughs> I'm like, is it weird that like you knew everything about my life? So, so you talk about the growth curve in the past, which means you obviously came out on the other side. What helped you do that? What, what did you have to call upon to kind of stay strong? I really try to check in with myself on a regular basis. And like, if I'm not feeling good, there's a reason why and, and tracing that back. And, you know, I'm not in therapy, but maybe I should be. But, you know, saying like, okay, I feel today I feel depressed. Why? You know, there's got to be a reason. And usually there, I mean, unless it's a clinical problem, which is, you know, can happen. Right. But, um, but yeah, and I usually just try to trace that thread and think about yeah. why I'm feeling insecure. Is it because I read this message? Is it because I heard so-and-so said something about me? Um, and then I have to like, have a conversation with myself. And, you know, sometimes I have to get my husband involved to help walk me through it. And I think having a support base, um, like my husband and my parents, um, definitely is huge. It's just very grounding. And I think also being a mom is the most grounding thing in the world. Because if you think that your shit don't sting, your kids will whip you back into shape immediately. So. No, 100%. So Huh, that, that's, that's, that's a lot. Like I'm, I'm reading between the lines. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm yeah. taking what you're saying and I'm absorbing it because I want to remember it and internalize it. But were you always like this or did you have to work on it? Um, but one thing that I learned this year from a course that I was taking is your five whys. So when you have a goal or you want to figure something out, ask yourself why five times and each why will build itself on the other. Yeah, I think, um, and I think when you don't do that check-in and those whys, then it becomes powerful. Yes. And then, and then it can take on a life of its own. Exactly. And so you, I, that's, I mean, I think that that's been huge for me is to just take that time hmm. um, with myself, whether, I mean, it doesn't have to be formal meditation or anything like that, but no, to just kind of look in the mirror and be like, why do I feel this way? And is it something that I can change or? Exactly. You know, one thing that I always talk about with like my sisters, like when we're in a, like a weird situation or whatever is like, what is your end goal? Mm -hmm. If the end goal, let's say like you're annoyed with someone and it's like, well, what is the end goal? Do you want the friendship to be maintained? Okay, you do. What are the steps to get you there? Right. Because at that point you start realizing that staying annoyed or staying angry will move you farther from the end goal. It becomes easier to kind of, um, eradicate those negative feelings and then follow through on what you need to do in order to get back to base. I love that. Talk about parenting, parenting girls, man. Like it's a lot. So we, <laughs> so yeah, Stella's going to be eight in November and Julia just turned six. Um, oh, wow. You know, so it's like they're, you know, you know how it is. It's like these little, they're like little women. I yeah. think that the hardest thing for me is like, um, which I didn't anticipate. I never, I really went into parenting blind, I'll be honest. I guess goal as a parent is, I just don't want to raise assholes. Like, that's it. Like, I just want my kids to be good people who care about the world, who care about others, who are respectful. That's a really big one for me. I can't 
handle children who are disrespectful or don't listen to authority or other people's, um, you know, parents or whatever. Like, I just, like, I just don't want my kids to be like that. Yeah. Um, you can't control these things all the time, but you know, we do our best. Um, but one of the things that really caught me off guard as a parent is I didn't anticipate that I would feel so protective of them. Like, yeah. and especially with girls, when they come home from school, somebody hurt their feelings. I'm like, I'm ready to go to war. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. who do I need to kill? Yeah, I didn't yeah. expect, <laughs> expect right. to feel that way. It's like animalistic, visceral protectiveness. Yeah. I really don't know. And I know it's only going to get worse as they get older. It's inevitable. Yeah. There's always right. going to be girl drama. And I know that you know, going through the, the hardship is what makes them stronger and, what, and is what will make them better people and better leaders in the world. Cognitively is different than emotionally. Yeah, but it's going to be very hard for me. Like, I'm going to hate forever any child that right. is mean to my child. Or Growing up, if I ever, like, spoke to my mother about a friend that, you know, was being unkind to me, she would then shut down towards that person. And point of no return to the degree that sometimes, you know, as catty girls, you have these waves in your friendship where some Sometimes they're unkind and the next day you're going to the mall together so like uh, I would almost then at that point mommy if you're listening um, like I wouldn't necessarily say because I didn't want any of my friends to be condemned to Alcatraz you know yep. maternal Alcatraz yeah I love that maternal Alcatraz <laughs> and um, I gotta be cognizant of not doing that to my own kids because I see that it's an instinctive need yeah, it really is. I don't know how we avoid that. I don't, I'm not sure that that's possible. I, I, I disagree, babe. I think, I think if we, I think if we recognize as much as we work on recognizing human nature, we have to work on recognize children nature. Right. That if we keep the lines of communication open and talking to the kid about our kid about how they feel, right. Let focused on what that kid feels that prompted them to do that, potentially our focus will so be on creating learning experiences. I'm working through this right now and growth experiences for that kid that will be less forced to place, like to transfer those feelings onto blaming another kid and instead work on what's in our corner. I like that. What do Make you Make it about for? personal growth. You know, a lot of us take things from our childhood that we loved and things that we want to implement into our own rearing of our offspring. Right. What are some of yours? Um, that's a great question. I don't know that I've ever been asked that before. Props to you. Um, you know, I had, <laughs> I had an amazing upbringing. I had, I feel like I lived nine lives before this one. Like mm. I, um, my parents are incredible. We're very, very close, and they're the best grandparents ever. Wow. Um, but I had a very different upbringing than right than I'm raising my children. You know, I didn't grow up right. religious right. at all. Um, academics was like the religion in our house. Not it's not uncommon for Jewish families yeah. to really just hyper focus on intellect and what are we overachieving and all of that. So that was definitely my house. Um, I grew up singing on a country music show for um, most of my, from like ages 12 to through college and then um, competed like in Miss Teen Texas and all of that. And I, yeah, will, you say, did. <laughs> and I will say 
that I just had this epiphany recently because I was always like, why did I do all this stuff? Um, you know, because it, it doesn't, I, and I wouldn't subject my kids to that. Okay. But I do feel like it's kind of all prepared me for this moment that I'm in where oh. I'm, you know, and I, and I really wow. feel that way. Like, I don't think I would be here without all of it. Uh, can if I, I think didn't... differently? Sure. To speak on your childhood. Um, no, I guess what I want to say is it's not that it's a preparation, but our natural inclination finds a way to service us at no matter like whatever juncture or stage of life we are in. So if your comfort level was, you know, being in front of a crowd, you were going to be able to channel that through singing. And as an adult, you're channeling it now. So as much right. as it's preparation, it's also exactly your comfort zone, right? I call it a spotlight addiction. <laughs> um, no pun intended with this whole ring light situation that I have going on. Um, actually complete pun intended, but yes, exactly. Like, I think I just am somebody who's always been very comfortable sharing and, and living a, a public life to some extent. And, um, you know, the, the outlet for that has shifted massively over yeah. the years, but that's always been the driving force. Like we were saying at the beginning of this conversation, we're creative people and we're going to find a way to create no matter yeah, there's what no choice. it is. This is just who we are. So I mean, exactly. I really, I really think that you're exactly right. You're exactly on target with that. But I, and I, yeah. but I am grateful for the, all of the opportunities that I had that I do for feel thought. like prepared me because yeah. I don't think that I would have been as comfortable speaking out and being well-spoken. I'm still self-conscious when I talk about serious issues that I don't sound smart enough. And I think we all have that inner voice that tells you yeah. you're not good enough. On my end, it's like I'm imagining my siblings and my close friends listening and they're going like, relax. Do you know what I mean? And then right. like, I'm like, no, in my head, I'll be like, no, I will not relax. And that's okay. And right. I guess that's, that's part of why I love what you just said, which is we, we attach these like important, this importance to the things we do because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And I am in wellness because I believe in spreading the truth and I am in fashion because I believe that we can find beauty in, in materialism if we elevate it. But what if we just like said for a second, like, I just enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being in the spotlight and kind of diffusing things that may have previously had a negative connotation and just accepting them for what they are, factual things that we've chosen to integrate into our daily lives. Well, I really feel like for me, that's like, as I've become more involved in my Judaism, I've realized like God has made me this way for a reason. It's part of the fabric of who you are. You're born yeah. with it. And, you know, I see as a mom that it's nothing I've done to my kids to make them have the the driving forces that they have. Their gift. You wow. have it with, from birth. So it's just a matter of like how, how you channel it. But I think you're right. We, it doesn't always have to be something so much bigger. It could just be, yeah, you know, I, love I enjoy that. connecting with people. I love that. Um, someone recently asked me, what is something you would tell your younger self? And it's very aligned with what we're saying now, which is just accept yourself for being someone who has the drive, accept yourself for being someone who's very happy pushing a stroller, but is also okay needing more. And all of those parts are okay. All of those parts are important. And I've struggled for so many years, um, you know, kind of wishing that it, that were enough and I'm coming into my own and I am accepting that and recognizing 
um, that it can be used for so much good or not necessarily good. It's not only about being a good Samaritan, but about feeling self-fulfillment, which is, you know, we all require different things. So I'm going to flip the question over to you. If I could talk to my younger self, I would just, you know, I feel like I've been held back a lot by self-doubt okay. um, for, for no good reason, you know, just, I think that's just the eights of her or whatever. Um, and I, you know, to just say you are good enough and you, you like stop thinking about all the people out there that you think are better, you know, because it's, it's not about better or worse. Mm. It's about doing something and pulling the trigger. And I've seen, um, as I've become less trigger, shy, less trigger shy with age, age has been like such an amazing gift of growth. Um, literally and <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> um, but I, you know, that the more times in life that I haven't been afraid to just freaking pull the trigger, you yeah. know, and not wait until the plan is perfect. Because yes. if you wait until it's perfect, you're never going to do it. Why do you feel like it's your responsibility to share the story of your Jewish siblings? And you know what? I'm backing that question up for a second. Let's talk a little bit about acceptance in the Jewish community and the growth required to recognize how different we all are, but none of us has autonomy over the religion, no matter if we perceive our way to be the right way. Do you experience challenges with this? Yeah, I really uh, have, I, I definitely struggle as a Jewish person. I always say like, I don't wanna be the poster child for like, the Jewish people because we're all so different. And I do feel a significant amount of pressure when I speak on topics that have to do with anti-Semitism or Israel or, yeah. or Judaism in general. And, um, you know, I can only speak as myself. And I think having to, re and I, it took me a while to realize that and to, to be able to just own that and say, you know, I am a Jewish person, but I am just a person. And this, yeah. And this is how I feel. Um, but speaking out, as a Jewish person, it wasn't something that I really set out to do. Right. Um, I think I just, it became such a part of what I was sharing because it was yeah. a part of the narrative of my life. And I've always just been very transparent with, with what's going on with me, yeah. you know? You, know, you asked that in such an intellectual way and I feel like I just kind of gave you a floppy answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're giving me everything I need right here. <laughs> Um, a lot of people choose to stay silent and I, I respect everybody's, you know, I'm, I'm really aware of how much behind the scenes is going on in everybody's lives and one man's choice shouldn't, you know, demonize another's. Um, so I guess I want to ask you that question. How do you keep an open mind while you're putting yourself, you know, right into the fray? and dealing with the backlash of speaking out, especially when it comes to anti-Semitism and the lack of media exposure. Um, how do you right. stay open-minded to the people who choose to stay silent? I know that can be a struggle when you're really throwing yourself into it. Yeah, I definitely go back and forth. I don't think that it's for everyone. I, I, I have a, I mean, you have to be ready. You have to really be prepared for what you're taking on because it does, um, it, you can't go back. That's the thing about interesting. Yeah, you really can't. Like you're not you're not going to be able to backtrack this one. So yeah. Um, but I think for me, it was never a choice. It was, it was just 
who I I never thought about it. I was it was something I impulsively did because I yeah. felt like I couldn't not do it. Um, and I say that to Ira every day. I'm like, of course I would do this. So it's it's been easy for me, but I don't think it's easy for everyone. Yeah. Um, I do think that there you need to say something. I don't think that you can be silent. I don't think that you have to make it your complete identity in the way that I've done it. True, but I think that to stay completely silent when you have a platform and an audience is um, the wrong thing to do. You know, I do think that this platform comes with the responsibility to um, spread a spread a message. And if you don't feel comfortable, then educate yourself enough to the point that you do feel comfortable. Um, but you know, I I'm gentle with my fellow influencers. I don't feel right. super judgmental about. Um, their decisions to do or not do, you know. Nobody just, should be shamed into sharing something. If it's not in their heart, it need, you need to reach them at their heart. And that can maybe happen with an intense one-on-one -on -one conversation, but it's not going to happen by me shaming them publicly on social media. They're not going to internalize anything. They're going to put a wall up and be defensive. Exactly. Well, for all you know, that person's battling mental health issues which would completely set them into a setback or tailspin by talking about things that are so heavy and and you know for all you know they have a they're doing things that require a certain limit to the dms they get a day because being able to access all of those dms creates a, a huge amount of anxiety and pressure and they were okay. recommended not to i think once you take the blinders off it's very 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 hard to go back um it's very hard um you know uh, I was having a conversation with people and they were kind of irritated. You know, Instagram's become such a heavy place. I go to certain accounts for fashion and for food. You know this conversation. And while I recognize that as creators, there is a responsibility to the consumers. And as consumers, you are allowed to have certain desires and expectations of the accounts you've grown to know and trust. I also believe there is a certain responsibility to, like, as you said, the global community and once you take the blinders off it's very 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 hard not to feel compelled to say something exactly i mean how it's like if just going about daily business when you feel the world is falling apart it's just it doesn't work but well, you I feel think, ridiculous you should yeah. feel absolutely ridiculous you know why do you think that there's some causes that have garnered more media attention than others well i mean i do think that there is just this inherent anti-semitism in our in the fabric of our culture and it's not just uh you know it's not just our culture it's the every culture since thousands of years ago it just happens and i think um for whatever reason there's all these conspiracy theories against the jews and that we're the ones causing the problems and you know i do, i i think that the media has always been um anti-semitic and you know the irony is that you know, people are saying that Jews run the media, but um, obviously, yeah, I mean, so, and and maybe we do, but it's obviously the self-hating Jews then, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it's complicated, I just, and yeah. I think, I think that the world is, is not um, a friendly place to, to the Jewish person. I will probably get flack for saying that, but this is something that I'm, you know, willing to, to accept the controversy on and to stand up against. I love that about you. I love that about you so much. Um, because we're nearing the last couple minutes, let's just like move on to dessert and talk about fashion. Let's do it. Okay. What are five must haves that you feel like women should own in their closets? Ooh, okay. Ooh. Um, 
big sunglasses for sure. Like really, okay, super cool. chic sunglasses because okay. to hide tired eyes. Mm. Um, a lot of, I think accessories are huge for me because it helps you look pulled together when you're a complete disaster on the inside. Mm. Like a hat to hide dirty hair, sunglasses mm. to hide tired eyes. Um, super comfortable and cute sandals, especially since the pandemic. I don't think my heels have seen the light of day. I'm loving Freedom Moses. It's actually an Israeli company. Um, and they're like the most comfortable sandals in the world. My whole family has them. And like, I feel like every time I and say they it, they sell out. Girls, right? Yes. And okay. they pump them up with air. You feel like you're walking on a cloud. They're amazing. Okay. I'm not being paid to say this. I just love them. <laughs> um, I would but you say, should be. <laughs> thanks. Um, a great bag, like an investment piece, I would say. Yeah. Like, if you're going to spend money on something, I say that a bag is always the way to go because it's not getting worn out. Like, um, that's something you could pass down to your children. Yeah. Um, I think a classic style, you can never go wrong with, like, a classic Chanel. Um, and then last, I would say some personal jewelry that's, like, sentimental that means something to you. I um, have this coin that I always wear from my great-grandma. Um, and it just kind of makes, it grounds me and it makes me feel like um, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. And so I think personal I jewelry. Yeah. You did a great job. That was really <laughs> well-rounded. You did great. You did really great. Definitely. Let's, let us end on that note, guys. It was so fun having you join us in this little conversation. Liz, I love you. Thank you for love coming you. on. Can I just say, Rifki, that I think you are so amazing and inspiring and when you emailed me to be a guest, I was so honored and touched. And just the way that you write and present yourself to the world. Thank you. Thank you for giving your gifts to all of us and Aww. for your time. No, you're very, you're, you're just a very special person and I see it and I'm grateful to be associated and honored that you had me. So thank oh, you. Oh, you're such a sweetheart. And guys, like, I feel I'm just gonna, I actually like to end off each live saying something positive about a guest. And you're filled with light and laughter and your colorful fashion is just such a personification of your internal light. And thank you. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love if you subscribed. And if you're really next level vibing, leave me a positive review so we can keep the circle of positivity going. Of course, you can find our guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on my Instagram and website at Rifki Rabinowitz and RifkiRabinowitz.com. Have a good one, okay? Stay cool.